0: Hey, it's good to be here this morning. We had uh, a couple weeks with our family. We were able to get away, which was just uh, great. Sometimes, sometimes the gift is simply being together as a family, Uh, and and, uh, it was just a wonderful time. We actually got to go to a Giants game together, which uh, here, here was the cool thing. Hang on, hang on, it's even better. There was this whole stretch of like, I don't know, like. Hundred games where they were losing every game. Remember that? We went to the one game that they won. And so we were, we were trying to find out if they wanted us to keep coming back and like if they had tickets for us, but it didn't work out that way. But we get to be here this morning as part of a family. So I'm going to ask you this morning um, just kind of step back for a second and take a deep breath. You know, this. This is such a hectic time of year. I love this fall time of year, right? It's just so great. But school starting, um, you know, changes in our our culture and the climate and all those things. And sometimes it's so easy just to get, just to kind of get rolling. And there's almost like this built up sense of kind of anxiety and push. And I just want to challenge you today to step back and to let God's peace just be present for you today that you can know that he's got you and that he's for you. In fact, I want you just to bow your heads for a moment. I know we just had worship and we just prayed, but I just wanna pray one more time as we dive in today. Father, we are so grateful that you are here right now. We don't have to somehow make a fuss or, or do something special, that your presence is already among us. And Lord, you desire to speak peace into our hearts and into our lives. in the the midst of sometimes disconcerting or or anxious moments and times, you come to bring your peace. So we thank you for that. Lord, as we open up your word this morning, Lord, I I pray Jesus that you would be our teacher. You would be the one to speak life and truth into us. Lord, thank you for the opportunity that I have to be part of this, but Lord, it's, it's never been about me. It's always about you. So Lord, I pray that we would have open ears and open hearts to to hear and to respond to what you desire to do, what you desire to speak today. We thank you and we love you today, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Hey, if you have your Bibles, I want you to get them out and I want you to turn to the book of Joshua. Joshua is in the Old Testament, so it's just kind of right, maybe like the fifth or sixth, sixth book, I think, uh, there in, in the Old Testament. And I want you to find Joshua chapter 10. And uh, we're going to continue on in the series that we've been in called Miracles. In fact, this is the last week of, of the series. We're going to be wrapping it all up today. Uh, if you've got a note-taking sheet when you come in, I would encourage you to get that out, and you can follow along with that as well. Well, over these last several weeks, we have been looking at some of the greatest miracles in the Bible and how they're not just a history lesson— for us to to see, as wonderful it is to to dive into the the nuances of it and the history of it, and and you see all that from Scripture. But, But more than that is how that miracle back then applies to me today, to you today. And we have, through this series, looked at the miracle and looked at the miracle behind the miracle, how God continues to display his awesome power and his grace towards us. But I will tell you, of all the miracles, whether it's a paralyzed man getting up to walk or three men surviving a fiery furnace or a woman with a never-ending supply of oil, those are just a few that we looked at, I believe nothing compares to the miracle of an all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving creator becoming a man and walking among us, giving up his life to bring us life. As awesome as all those other miracles are, the greatest miracle that will ever take place in your life and in my life is when we choose to receive Christ as our Lord and Savior and decide to follow him. That, that's the greatest miracle of all. But as we look through scripture, all these other miracles point us towards that one. All these other miracles give us a fuller picture Kind of like painting in the background and giving us the the nuances of, of color and shape and feel of who God is and his goodness and his grace towards us. So as we wrap up this series today, I want to talk and share with you about a miracle in the life of Joshua, one of the heroes of faith. And this miracle you know, I've, I've heard about it a few times, I've read about it in scripture, but it's not one that y- you may even be aware of as we dive into this today. Now, Joshua was a leader of leaders, and Joshua had moments of fear and of bravery, of failures, but also of successes, of doubts, but also faith, trust, but, but moments of lack of trust. Basically, he had the scope of experiences and emotions that you and I deal with today but he loved the Lord and the Lord certainly loved him. Now, if you don't know, Joshua was Moses' general and his right-hand man. And Joshua was the one that succeeded Moses as the leader of the nation of Israel. So let let me kind of set the stage for you of what's happening in Joshua chapter 10 before we dive into it fully. So Joshua, again, was leading Israel and they had come into the promised land. Moses has now passed away, and if you remember the story, they came to the Jordan River and had a similar experience like they did at the Red Sea, and God stopped that and and parted the ways, and they came into the promised land. And the first place they come to is Jericho, which is a fortified city. And so it's this kind of ongoing battle to claim the promised land. And as they did that, there was a lot of opposition with warring tribes, with nations and kings and kingdoms that were coming against them. And there was one small nation, small kingdom, called Gibeon. And as they saw what was going on, see, because word of what was happening with Israel was going around, and so they thought, man, I don't know that we can stand up against Israel. And on top of all that, there was this sense of, we've heard That it's not just a strong army, but we've heard that God fights on their behalf. So, you know, they were really hesitant, this little small nation of Gibeon. And so they decided that rather than fight against Israel, they would trick Joshua and deceive Israel into signing a peace treaty that would keep them safe. And they did. And we're gonna talk about it in just a little bit, a little bit of the nuance of that. But after this was all done, a coalition of five surrounding kings decided, whoa, 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 we can't have countries joining with Israel, it will only make it harder for us. So these five surrounding kings and kingdoms came together and they decided to attack this small nation of Gibeon to drive a strategic wedge between them and Israel. So that's kind of the behind the scenes what's happening. So when these armies show up, the king of Gibeon sends a message to Joshua and Israel. And it's kind of like a 911 distress call. It's like sending up the flare saying, we are being attacked. We need you to come help us. We need you to stay true to the commitment of the treaty that we made. We need you. So Joshua kind of gets the uh, Israelite army together and they take off to go defend this little nation. Well, as they're on their way, God speaks to Joshua, and he gives him some information and some news. So if you're there in Joshua 10, we're going to pick it up in verse 8. And so you can imagine that as Joshua and the people are heading for this, they're heading to, to fight against five kind of uh, blended armies together. We don't know the amount of people and players and soldiers in this, but it was gonna be pretty severe. And so you can imagine a little bit of the tension that was going on in this. And here's what God says to Joshua. He says, do not be afraid of them, the Lord said, for I've given you victory over them and not a single one of them will be able to stand up to you. And Joshua traveled all night from Gilgal and took the Amorite armies by surprise. So we're going to keep going, but I want to pause just here for a moment. In the midst of all of this, before Joshua has, has even kind of consulted the Lord or gone, God shows up and says, hey, I want you to know that fear does not have to rule you in this. I know maybe the odds seem crazy, I know maybe it's gonna be challenging, but fear does not have to rule you in this because I've already given you victory. And no one's gonna be able to stand up against you because I'm on your side. I wonder how many of us when we're facing some of the challenges and the impossibilities and the, the battles that life brings, how many of us would love to have that sense of assurance from God saying, hey, I've got you, I'm with you, and I'm gonna see you through this. And that's what the Lord speaks to Joshua. Now I want, you, I want us to pick it up again in verse 12 because a lot of the battle has gone on and it's brutal and even though God says this is a day of victory, right, I'm, I've given you victory over them, the enemy is not defeated yet. So Joshua prays this, it's a crazy prayer. I'm just gonna tell you, it's a crazy prayer. But here's what it says, verse 12. On the day that the Lord gave the Israelites victory over the Amorites, Joshua prayed to the Lord in front of all the people of Israel. So this wasn't a hiding in your closet kind of a prayer. And if it doesn't come through, we can kind of just keep going on. He prays this in front of everyone. And here's what he says. Let the sun stand still over Gibeon, and the moon over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stayed in place until the nation of Israel had defeated its enemies. The sun stayed in the middle of the sky and it did not set as on a normal day. There has never been a day like this one before or since when the Lord answered such a prayer. Surely the Lord fought for Israel that day. Now I don't know about you, but when I read that, I have like, a hundred questions that come up, right? Like like questions about physics and nature and how the universe works and how in the world could this kind of thing happen. But I wanna focus on a specific phrase found in verse 14. We can have a lot of questions, but I want you to catch this. It says this, there hasn't been a day like that since, it just never happened before, when the Lord answered such a prayer. Who would have ever thought to pray a prayer like that? I can think of a few ways that I would have prayed, but I don't think it would have even entered my mind to pray for the sun to stand still. But Joshua had seen some different things. Remember Joshua had seen God bring an end to their slavery in Egypt. And if you remember all the plagues that came and and Pharaoh fighting against that and they saw the, you know, the angel come and the blood on the doorposts and all these different things. If you've ever read the story of Moses and the freedom of that, you see miracle after miracle. Joshua was there, he saw it. He, he knew what it was like. He remembered the days when they were traveling and they came up against the Red Sea and the Egyptian army was coming after them and thinking, what in the world do we do? And God parted a sea and they walked through on dry ground. Like, who would even dream of even praying for God to do that? That was just God moving on their behalf. He saw water that came out of a rock when they were thirsty. He saw manna fall from the sky. He saw Moses, his mentor, come down from the mountain with his face glowing because he'd been face to face with God. He'd seen all that. He saw a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night that led his nation through the wilderness. He saw the Jordan River split in two to allow them to pass. And he'd seen the walls of Jericho come down after just marching around them. Joshua had seen his powerful God do the impossible and literally bend the laws of physics and nature. So when he's approaching this, he's going, man, there's nothing my God can't do. There's nothing that's too hard for him. There's nothing that's impossible. That when God steps in on our behalf, there's, it's limitless. So here's my question for us today. Do you believe in God like that? Do you believe that that he's the one who knows you and can do what no one else can do? Or, Do we sometimes just settle into handling things and just managing on our own? Do we find ourselves struggling and we're facing challenges and seeming impossibilities? And maybe it doesn't even cross our minds to bring it to God. I had a friend who was in first service this morning, came up to me afterwards and he said, I can't even tell you how much I needed to hear that today because I've been facing a situation really kind of a crisis in our family. And and it just seems impossible. And he goes, and I heard that today and thought, have I even brought it to God? Or do I just keep trying to, to figure it out? See, I think a lot of times we forget how good and how great and how powerful God is. And we take his majesty and his holiness for granted. I know that I do sometimes. Because we can connect with him anywhere and anytime we want, without fear, without persecution. And so sometimes when things become somewhat normalized for us or just part of our routine, it's so easy for it to just become eh, kind of ho-hum. You know, right now, I mean, like literally right now, there are people in Africa, families in the underground church in China and in various places throughout the Middle East who secretly pass one single page of the Bible from home to home. They will spend days poring over the same page again and again and again because they finally get a taste of the Bible, of God's word, and it means everything to them because they realize if they're caught, they could be imprisoned, maybe even lose their lives. But man, it becomes so precious to them. And sadly for us, and while I'm so grateful for the freedoms that we have and all that God has just poured into our lap, our, our Bibles sometimes just get dusty. We're too preoccupied to pray. We become overcommitted to a hundred other things rather than being part of God's family and God's church. We take it for granted that we could share this good news of, of hope for all time, and we don't even realize it. And I know, I know, it's human nature, right? And it's not just American or Western culture. It's literally the human condition that we become used to things, and then they kind of become invisible. We do it all the time. I'll tell you, I don't think twice about taking a shower Until I was on a missions trip and we had to drive into town and pay money to take a shower and it's like oh just heading into your bathroom is pretty sweet right don't even think about it or I remember we were on a a trip in Brazil and we were on this boat in the middle of the Amazon and uh, you'd go for a, a shower in the morning and they would literally just pump water from the Amazon River that was your shower and they would tell you oh make sure you don't open your mouth it's like okay so If you were to come to my house, maybe you were gonna stay for the night or something and you're gonna take a shower, I wouldn't give you those instructions like make sure you don't open your mouth when you're in the shower. I mean, it's just become so commonplace for us. It's just gotten used to it. I'm used to just driving my car, which is nothing fancy, but it has air conditioning. And in the winter, it has heated seats. That's pretty nice. And I just take that for granted until my car is in the shop, and I have to ride my bike. And then I appreciate those things all over again, for a while, until they become commonplace again. What used to be special and awe-inspiring, simply becomes ho-hum. Think about where we live, right here, middle of the Central Valley. We are amazingly close to the ocean, Now, I know you're thinking, oh man, David, it's a a couple hours away. Yeah, what if you lived in Kansas, (laughs) right? I mean, we're like like an hour and a half, two hours from the ocean, but we rarely go. We live near lakes and reservoirs, but maybe we haven't been there in years. We're we're just a short drive to Yosemite. It's, It's almost literally in our backyard And yet I know people who live in this area who have never been. We have a beautiful canal that runs right through the middle of our town. When was the last time you just watched the water flow? Now I know that's not as exciting as Yosemite, right? It's not quite like the ocean, but hey, we're in Turlock. It's all you have. You just have a canal. But all those little things, you know, they just become like, oh, you know, whatever. When we become a follower of Jesus and we live a life that honors him, I want you you to hear this. We have access and connection to the creator of the universe, which means he invites us to come and to bring our battles and our challenges and our impossibilities right to him. That we just kind of settle in and we forget that he's there and he's powerful and he's for us. Paul wrote this in Ephesians. He says, now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. Did you catch the first part of that? Now all of us. You don't have to go through some special class. You don't have to go to seminary. You don't have to have it all together. Now all of us can come to our Heavenly Father, the God of the universe, through the Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. We have access. We can pray bold prayers. We can bring the situations to God. Think of this prayer that Joshua prayed. It wasn't for him. Now, they benefited from that, Joshua and the people did. But God's name and his kingdom is what was advanced that day, not the story of Joshua. It wasn't Joshua who made the sun and the moon remain in place, it was God. He's the one who holds all of creation in his hands and this moment in time proves that he still controls it. And like all the other miracles we read about this summer, God used the heart and the faith and the boldness and the availability of his people, in this case, a man named Joshua, to pray a heartfelt, bold prayer and to watch God move. So what's the challenge for us? What's the miracle behind the miracle? What? what what's our takeaway today? Well, I'm gonna give you just three things. If you have a note sheet, I want you to write these down. The first is this. God wants me to honor my commitment to him. God wants me to honor my commitment to him. Now, when I was setting up this account with Joshua and Israel in this little place called Gibeon, I said that they had signed a peace treaty with this small kingdom. And it's true, but understand that it came about because of a dishonest deception that the Gideon, Gibeonites pulled on the Israelites. And Joshua had a hand in this as well because rather than consult God, rather than going and saying, God would you give us wisdom in how to proceed in this, he did this strategic move he just thought, I've got it, I can handle it, I, I, I can take care of it, and so he signed this agreement even though it was done in dishonesty. And when he found out about it later, understand his response could have been, well let's tear this treaty up. You guys weren't, you guys weren't forthright with us, you didn't tell us the whole story, we're not gonna honor that. But here's what Joshua realized, that the vow that he had spoken The treaty that he had made, the commitment that he had made, ultimately wasn't to this small group of people, though it did involve them. But he knew that his vow was actually to the Lord. And he chose to honor that vow, to honor the commitment. And can I tell you this, guys? God asks for the same thing for us. When we make a commitment to serve God, when we make that miracle decision to begin following Jesus, we're making a commitment and a promise to pattern our lives after the life of Jesus, to become his apprentice, to learn from him and to walk from him, to have our lives begin to take shape around the character and the life of Jesus. Remember what Jesus offers us. He forgives us and he wipes the slate clean of our sin. We become part of his family, literally his sons and his daughters for all eternity. As we sometimes say around here, it's the greatest exchange ever. God takes my sin and my failure and my, the junk in my life and I bring that to him and he went to the cross and he paid the price once and for all and what he gives me in return, the exchange, is forgiveness and grace and hope and peace and life in Him. It's the greatest thing ever. But on our end is a commitment to a life that walks in relationship with God and honors Him. A commitment to a life of surrender and obedience and humility. A commitment to a journey of walking with Jesus. Now that's a heart and soul thing. But those internal things work themselves out to how I live and how I respond and how I speak. And all through the Bible we we read of these challenges in how we live and how we respond, right? God calls us to care for and love those that are disenfranchised, those who are pushed to the margins. We're called to love and care for orphans and widows. Jesus commands us to love our neighbors and to seek justice, to build community and care for each other's needs and to share one another's burdens. And it seems to me in some ways like we've forgotten what this, this word commitment really means in our culture. Our world tells us that personal happiness and self-actualization is the most important thing. That if you're not happy, then you do you. You're not obligated to honor your commitments. But God says that's, that's not what I've called you to. I've called you to something more. We have obligations and commitments We've we've spoken vows, God calls us to be faithful. Faithful to our spouses if you're married, to our kids, to our jobs, to our health, to our communities and scripture supports these things over and over and over again and Jesus reminds us that we also have responsibility and commitment and faith to the things of God as well. King Solomon when he was dedicating the temple that was over decades and decades, he spoke these words to the people. He said, and may you be completely faithful to the Lord our God, and may you always obey his decrees and commands, just as you are doing today. The apostle Paul said a similar thing in Galatians. He said, let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. What's he calling them to? Commitment, faith, faith. God wants me to honor my commitments to him and to others. Now, the second thing is this, and you can write it down. Remembering God's power changes my prayer. Remembering God's power changes my prayer. When you think back of Joshua in this, and I I said it a few minutes ago, you think, why would he pray such such a crazy prayer like this? But remember all that he had seen in his life. He wasn't just starting at ground zero. He wasn't just shooting from the hip and thinking, well, I'll just do something crazy. He had seen God do the impossible. And so he boldly came to God and prayed this crazy prayer. The Apostle Paul says it this way. He says, because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now, you and I, we can come boldly and confidently into God's presence. We can come to God say, here's what's going on. And God, I'm praying that you would move, that you would act, that you would respond in this situation. This prayer from Joshua was a huge prayer. No one had ever prayed anything like this before. Asking the sun to stand still. Again, why would Joshua do it? Why not pray for strength? Why not pray for wisdom for the battle? Again, Joshua remembered who he was praying to. He wasn't asking a favor of a neighboring king. He wasn't asking for insight from a prophet. He was coming to our high king, our holy God, the one who can change anything. The writer of Hebrews tells us this. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. And there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. So i want to take just a moment I want you to sit back just, just for uh, a minute. And I, w- I want to ask you to, to process something, to think of something. So all of us come from different places and scenarios, situations and relationships, all those kinds of things. But I want you to, mo- for a moment, just think about maybe one or two concerns or issues that you're facing right now. You got something? Could be you're starting a new semester at school, right? Some of you students and you're thinking, I hope, I hope I can do okay this semester and it's right there at the forefront. Could be that your marriage is unraveling. It might be that there are things out of control in your life, maybe alcohol or drugs or pornography you might feel you're on the edge of an emotional or mental breakdown right now and you literally have no idea what to do. You, you're not even sure if you can trust your own feelings right now. You are that close to the edge. It might be depression. It might be finances and you don't even know how you're gonna pay your rent or your, your electric bill. It's, just, it, it's all just overwhelming right now. My guess is that every single one of us in this room can... List at least one or two things that are going on like that. So here's my question. Have you brought it to God? Have you approached him? Because he's inviting you to come close. Now you may be sitting here saying, Dave, I have. I come again and again and again, and and, and I don't see anything happening. Okay. But we gotta start at square one. Are we bringing these battles, these impossibilities to our God. Because let me read it one more time, Hebrews four. Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Don't forget that word, gracious God. And there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it close. Now, I wanna be really clear with this. God isn't a vending machine where I put in my prayer, pull the lever, and hey, you know, God better show up and do what I want. He's not a genie in a bottle where, where my wish is his command and he better come through. Sometimes we don't see what we prayed for. Sometimes the cancer is still there. Sometimes we still lose our job. Sometimes the friend or the, or the loved one still passes away. And those are hard. But will I trust him even when it's hard? We started this point by saying, remembering God's power changes my prayer. That he is able to move and act. He's able to make the sun stand still. He's able to make a blind man see. But here's the challenging question. Do I trust his goodness and wisdom even when things don't happen exactly like I want them to? When I remember all that he has done, when I read through the Bible and see God's faithfulness and grace, my prayer changes. I can boldly pray about those seemingly impossible situations, but I also pray, God, not my will, but yours be done. And praying like Jesus, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's a prayer of trust. It's a prayer of confidence. It's a prayer of security and love. God's got me and whatever happens, he's still got me. Let me close with this, number three. God is honored by my obedience. You know what I think is amazing about this story? You're going, yeah, the sun stood still. That's pretty amazing. And granted, yes, that is the big overarching miracle. But here's the part that you maybe missed. It's that Joshua and this this army, these people, they prayed and then they kept on fighting the battle. They just kept doing the next right thing. They didn't pray and then sit around going, okay, well, let's see if it actually stands still. Let's see if we can get through this. They didn't do that. They didn't wait for some kind of confirmation. They didn't wait for a sign or to see if God would come through. They kept on, they took the next right step. I wonder how many of them, maybe even Joshua, kept at it, you know, they're in this battle and maybe hours later thought, wow, how long have we been at this? This day is going super slow. And then this kind of moment where they, wait a minute. That's what Joshua was praying about and look, It is happening right now. We're in the middle of a miracle. Have you ever prayed about something and it took you a while to realize that God was already at work? Maybe days, weeks, months, maybe even years, maybe even decades later, and you go, hey, man, I prayed about that all that time ago, and God's been at work this whole time. We sometimes look for immediate answers and microwave solutions, and God is already at work bringing a miracle. You've been praying for your adult child, and what you don't know is that God is already putting things in place in their life that you can't see. It's the precursor to the miracle. You've been praying for your finances, and what you don't know is that God is already bringing provision in ways you couldn't have even counted on. God is at work around us and he's inviting us to join him in that work, to trust him, to continue taking the next right step of obedience. Romans 8, 28, Paul said this, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Can I tell you something? God will not allow anything to hinder him from accomplishing his purposes. Not even the laws of physics and nature can stop our God from doing what he desires. We serve a God who can transform the most adverse situations we face into opportunities to display his greatness and his glory. And like the people of Israel, you may be facing impossible situations, whatever it is. We made that little list in our mind a couple minutes ago. Maybe it's financial, or medical, or relational, or future, or past, a conflict, or even a major decision. Remember, it's not up to us to perform the miracle. We can't. Our part is to pray and to come into the presence of the one who can. And all through scripture, miracle after miracle, we see God intervening in the lives of people like you and me, because why? It's the last song we sang today. Oh, he loves us. He loves us. And as I said at the beginning, the greatest miracle of all, the greatest moment in history where God intervened was when he sent his son Jesus to give up his life so that we could experience forgiveness and grace. The greatest exchange ever. And maybe your sun stand still prayer today, your bold prayer, is to receive Jesus Christ into your life, to take a step to follow him. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes today. And as we close, I'm gonna pray a prayer in just a moment and I'm gonna invite everyone in this room to pray it with me. But as you're sitting here today, maybe you've been, trying to fight the impossible battles. You've been trying to be smart enough and strong enough and and good enough. And all those things, and it's just overwhelming. And maybe today, you've simply come to the end of yourself. And as hard as that is, can I tell you, it's the best place to be. Because that's when we come to Jesus. If you're sitting here today going, I'm, I need Jesus. Then this is your opportunity to take a step, to make him the Lord and leader of your life, the savior and rescuer, to be forgiven and set free, to have a place in his family. Jesus is inviting you to come today. So right before I pray that prayer, no one looking around, If today you would say, Dave, I want to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I want to follow him. If that's you, would you just raise your hand today? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, see you guys in the back. Yeah. I want everyone in this room just to pray this prayer with me, just out loud, just follow along. I'm going to give you a little phrase at a time. But let it be a prayer of new beginnings and faith and salvation for you today. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for forgiving me and setting me free. I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Father, we thank you so much today that you love us and that you've got us. And Lord, I know in this room, we're facing challenging situations and possibilities we sometimes wonder, what do we do? But Lord, today we come to you, the one who can make a difference, the one who's true, the one who holds us and knows us. And we don't know what the outcome and things are gonna be. We, that's not our place, God. We simply come to you and trust. And I pray, God, today that our faith would grow, that our walk with you would deepen I pray for each of those who raised their hand and prayed that prayer today, that you would surround them and care for them and love them deeply. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? Two things, and I'm gonna let you go. One, if you prayed that prayer today and you took that step and made a decision for Jesus, I wanna encourage you to text that word decision to the 209-667-5433. And you're not going to be on some list or anything like that. We just want to send you a note back. We want to be praying for you. We want to send you some resources because following after Jesus is the greatest thing you will ever do in your life. And we want to walk with you in that. The second thing is, is that next Sunday is going to be baptisms. And Tommy was talking about that. And it's going to be a celebration weekend. But if you would like to be part of that, maybe you've never been baptized or some things have happened in your life and you'd love to take that step. We would love to do that with you. And so right upstairs, starting in just a few minutes, is going to be a class. Your kids are going to be okay if they're in a classroom right now. Head on up there. We'll get you all signed up. We'll get you prepared. And you can be part of our celebration next weekend. Hey, thanks for being here today. Thanks for worshiping with us. God bless you this week.